and Max can't find his reed. He stormed out of here like I never seen him before. It is clear to me that something is happening to upset the Ark inhabitants, both human and animal alike. What could be causing all this trouble? Kate asked. The question isn't necessarily what, but who. Welcome to the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, with your hosts, Max and Liz. This podcast is brought to you by Playful World Ministries. Max, Liz, and all the characters and adventures of the Epic Order of the Seven were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. On today's episode, we'll hear Chapter 53 from The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud. And later, we'll head to Jenny's Corner with a challenging question for our author friend, Jenny Cody, that, uh, well, sort of pertains to the uh, mood of today's episode. Uh, But right now, let's turn things over to our Masters of Ceremonies. Here's Max and Liz. Well, so far, just me, lad. Uh, Liz seems to be running a wee bit late, but uh, no worries. She'll be here soon. Well, that's actually okay, because I need to discuss something with you. Okay, what is it, lad? Well, I'm afraid I have a bone to pick with you. Well, now, that's a wee problem. You see, I don't usually share me bones. I mean, there's not much left to me bones when I get done picking them, then. Uh, and In fact, I have a tendency to slobber on them a wee bit, too, so if you're okay with that... I didn't mean an actual bone, Max. I, I was talking about my jacket. You want me to chew on your jacket? No, I, I don't want you sitting on it, either. What are you talking about, then? Well, you would know if you would read my emails. Uh, I don't do emails. In case you haven't noticed, me paws don't seem to have fingers and thumbs. Fine. All I know is, well, I came in the other day and found my jacket covered with dog hair. You don't say, lad. Oof, that can be tough to get off, you know. Yeah, especially when it's black dog hair. Well, no, hold on, lad. It sounds like you're blaming me, then. Well, if the fur fits... Well, I'll have you know we Scottish shed very little fur. Then you must have been sitting on it for a long time. I'm here. I'm sorry, I'm... Well, it weren't me, lad. Late. And while we're at it, I'd like to know why me water dish is empty. Do you honestly think I would drink out of your water dish? Gentlemen, I suppose you're too good for a water dish. Well, as a matter of fact, I do have fingers and thumbs, so I tend to drink from... Oh, sure. Rub it in, why don't you? Mr. Always walks on his hind legs. Max! They're the only legs I've got. Monsieur Denis! You should be thankful then. Gentlemen! I'm being very generous when I say, gentlemen, uh, what is the problem? I come well, in here and find my jacket covered with jacket, dog hair, and, I don't and Max even like acts his like jacket. he's... Silence! Max, go lay down. Monsieur announcer, read the story. Chapter 53. Trouble Afoot. Ada was in a foul mood. She swung an empty bucket as she yelled for her sons. Ham! Shem! Japheth! Shem poked his head out of the storage room, and Ham came up behind him. Japheth was just coming up the stairs. Yes, mother? Shem asked as he and Ham made their way to the kitchen. Ada pointed to the mess in the corner. Who overturned the buckets? And before you answer, I'd like to remind you that not me wasn't one of the animals brought on board. The sons looked at each other but didn't answer. Noah continued drawing on his tablet, keeping quiet. Well? Ada asked impatiently. 
Nala stopped preparing the meal and tried to help the situation. I did see a rabbit up here earlier. So you're telling me it was a rabbit? The rabbit kicked the bucket? Ada asked, her hands on her hips. No one dared answer. Sleep is such an underrated thing, Noah mumbled under his breath. But of course you see me now, said Raja Peacock, perturbed that Al was trying to keep him from seeing Liz, who was still sleeping. I have a marvelous idea that I know she will want to implement right away. Al sat firm, his big body fluffed out to block Raja from entering their stall. I've told you already, you blue-green menace. Liz is asleep, and I'm not going to wake her. So you'll just have to come back later. Al didn't know how to whisper, so he ended up waking Liz anyway as he shouted. What is it, Albert? Liz asked sleepily, yawning and arching her back in a stretch. Al frowned. No, look what you've done, he said to the peacock. Then, turning to Liz, Sorry, lass, this bird wants to speak with you. It's all right, Albert. I can speak to Raja, she said as she walked over to the stall gate. Bonjour, Raja. How may I help you? Raja fluffed out his colorful wings and preened his crown feathers before clearing his throat. <clears throat> Good day, Liz. I have a wonderful idea that I wish to share with you. But first, may I commend you on the brilliant idea for daily exercise and the fabulous success of Talent Night. Merci, Raja. Uh, what is your idea? Liz asked, trying to suppress a yawn so as not to be rude to her guest. Well, given my flair for fashion and my eye for decor, I thought I could offer a fun-filled tour of stalls to ARC guests where they could see how the other side lives. Raja said nonchalantly. Liz thought a moment. The idea had merit. Give animals the opportunity to visit other habitats and learn how their arcmates live. Yes, it had tremendous educational value for teaching animals about creatures from all over the world. Hmm, Raja, I believe you have come up with a born idea. How do you propose doing this? Raja glared at Al in triumph and said, I say we hold the tour of stalls when the humans are asleep, just like talent night. Obviously, the animals will need to leave their stalls to roam the ark. I will lead the tours, of course, but I must limit it to two nights per week and can take no more than 30 guests on a tour at a time. So, of course, this will be rather exclusive due to obvious limitations. Liz wrinkled her brow. Well, we will have to see how this will work. Uh, you see, Raja, activities should be for all the Ark inhabitants to enjoy, no? I do not know how limiting participation will work, uh, but I am willing to try. What do you say we begin tomorrow night? I will get the bird messengers to pass the world today. Oh, but how do you make a list of who will go on the tour? Oh, but by invitation only. That way we can keep the numbers manageable. I will give you a list for the messenger birds to make the invitations. I'm sure everyone invited will want to come. Now I must be off 
to plan the great event. Raja turned and flared his feathers in a grand display as he walked down the corridor. Al gave a low growl. Shuren, that is the cockiest peacock I ever seen. He is one snobby bird and so selfish. Oh, Albert, I understand your feelings. Raja is quite the show-off, but his idea does have merit. We will see how it goes, no? Liz said, rubbing her head on Al's cheek. Smile. Don't let Raja upset your day. One corner of Al's mouth slowly turned upward, then the other. He wiggled his whiskers and chuckled as Liz directed his thoughts to lunch and more positive things to think about. Food always worked miracles for Al's mood. And as you can see from the draped vines in these lush trees, this stall is perfectly adapted for monkeys who enjoy swinging, hanging upside down, and getting the most from their up-in-the-air view. Raja said to the group of animals on his premier tour of stalls. The monkeys sat in the trees, gazing back at the animals that stared at them and wondered what they were doing. Check this, eh? Raja's got a bunch of friends down there looking at us, said Keb the chimpanzee to his wife Okapi. Okapi was hanging upside down by her tail, peeling a banana. Is it? Looks to me like they like our stool. That annoying peacock is talking about our place. Shame makes me feel funny to be looked at in our stool by them outsiders, hey? Lazo the llama looked at Tumo the rhino and rolled his eyes. How do we ever get stuck doing this thing? Hmm, tour of stars. I'd rather be sleeping in my bed than see this. Tumo yawned, showing his wide mouth under his long horn. You said it, friend. Who cares if we see monkeys in a tree? I saw them back home. We best tell the other men on the ark not to go on this tour, if their wives ask them about it. But true, I be telling every male I see to just stay in bed. I just can't believe this peacock likes it. It was all his idea, Lazo replied. He and Tumo shared a snicker before their wives looked back and said, Shush! The ladies were enjoying the tour immensely. And we're walking, we're walking, Raja called from up ahead as he led the animals down the corridor to the next stop. All the females followed Raja at the front of the line, while Lazo and Tumo lagged behind, talking about the downside of this tour with the males. How much longer will this tour last? Lazo complained. I kind of like it, Al said. The group of male animals gave a quick snap of a look to Al. What? I get to eat lots of new things at each stop. Sure, you got to admit the food samples are grand. Always thinking with your stomach, Iggy the zebra said, shaking his head. Liz looked behind to see if Al was enjoying himself. He waved and smiled, but she noticed the other males seemed a little perturbed. Liz smiled back at Al and turned her attention once again to Raja, who was explaining the eucalyptus branches where the koalas slept. And the wonderful aroma in this stall is provided by eucalyptus. If you ever want to cover that zoo-like smell, 
Eucalyptus is the plant to use. <sighs> Even a few leaves will make your stall smell fresh, Raja said, breathing in deeply and encouraging the others to smell the fragrance. What's this, eh? You like this, Tua? Tumo asked Al, who munched on a mango. Sure, why not? Free food? And I like getting cultured by learning so much, Al said, burping loudly. To each his own, friend. To each his own, Tumo said as they continued down the corridor. Isabella was grazing the overhanging vines and flowers as the group went along when they came to a stall that had lush green grass. The grass was far greener and thicker than in her stall, and the sheep chewed it while grinning at her. She was put out. Liz, do you see this? Why do these sheep get better grass than Don Pedro and me? Our grass is nowhere near as nice as this grass. Perhaps the grass just looks greener on the other side, no? Remember that you and Don Pedro are large animals with big hooves. It is logical to assume you trample on your grass much harder than the sheep, making it appear less green. I am sure the maker provided what is perfect for you, Liz said, her tail swishing slowly back and forth. Isabella was suddenly not content. No, I'm sure of it. This grass is greener. What did this sheep do to deserve such nice grass? The cow drooled as she gazed at the grass. The sheep looked at one another, and then the male bod. What are you looking at? Go get your own grass. Isabella turned up her nose and walked on by, not answering the sheep. Liz's brow wrinkled as she felt emotional rumblings beginning to emerge with the animals. Isabella wasn't the only animal who was discontent. This feeling was beginning to spread throughout the ark. Noah turned over blankets and moved chairs around, looking frantically for his journal tablet. I know I left it right here, Ada. Are you sure you didn't put it somewhere? He was getting frustrated now. No, I didn't touch it. You must have put it down somewhere in the ark and forgot about it, Ada said as she went behind Noah, straightening the mess he was making. She was getting even more frustrated. Yesterday, the overturned buckets. Today, a man in search of a missing item. She shook her head as she considered which problem was the lesser of two evils. I never take it out of our room, just so this won't happen. Noah insisted as he kept taking things off shelves, looking for his tablet. Ada folded another blanket and put it away. I hope you find it, Noah, because if you keep looking for it, I'll never get my work done. It's gone. Gone, I say, Upendo the giraffe said, nearly in tears. Now hold on, Upendo. It's got to be in here somewhere. Are you sure you didn't put it way up in the mimosa tree? Maybe Jafaru's messing with you, replied Chipo, looking around the stall. The wooden giraffe that Bogart had carved for him was missing. I'm positive. Well, it's bound to show up, eh? And if not, I'm sure Bogart can whittle you a new one, Chipo said, trying to soothe her husband. 
I bet some jealous animal took it because they didn't get one yet. Hmm, Upendo sulked as he tore off a mimosa branch. But there was no Jafaru, nor Al, nor his wooden giraffe, just mimosa branches. Chipo looked throughout their stall, but the wooden giraffe was nowhere to be found. Where in the world could it have gone? And why would anybody want to take it? Chipo decided she'd better tell Liz about this. I'm telling you, lass, me reed was right here just yesterday, Max growled. He was in a huff, unable to find his reed anywhere. His nose was sniffing all around the stall. If I get me paws on whoever took me reed, they'll wish they never boarded this ark. Come down, mon ami. I'm sure there is a logical explanation. Perhaps an animal borrowed it for some purpose, Liz explained, trying to make sense of things. She had heard reports of missing items all over the ark this morning. Tippin told her she even overheard Noah complaining about a missing tablet. Now this, and right in her own stall. Well, if there is a logical explanation, some beastie has a lot of explaining to do. I'm going to look for it. Tell Kate I'll be back later, Max said as he stormed out of the stall. Kate was down visiting Isabella this morning when she heard the cow was upset from last night's tour of stalls. Liz, I think you better come have a look here, Al called from the corridor, a banana in his hand. He had just returned from the rainforest for his morning banana run. A line had formed outside Liz's stall, and it was all Al could do to keep the irritated animals back. His fur fluffed out as he told the animals to just hang on. At the front of the line was something he couldn't believe. The koalas were actually awake, and they were clearly upset. Their cute faces were scrunched up in a frown, and their hands were on their hips as they asked to see Liz. Oh la la, but what is this? Liz asked, looking at the line of disgruntled animals. Looks like more trouble, lass. What do you want to do then? Al asked, keeping his eye on the animals. Hmm, uh, well, I need to talk with them to get to the bottom of this, no? Uh, send them in, Albert. Liz agreed to see the animals, one at a time, to give everyone a fair turn to express their grievances. After hearing from the koalas, the rats, the monkeys the turtles, the peacocks, the raccoons, and Tippin, who flew in to represent the giraffes, Liz sat in her stall thinking. Al left her alone as she sat there, her tail slapping the ground slowly and methodically. Al stayed over by the berry bush, keeping his mouth full and shut from talking. Kate came back in the stall, and Al called her over. Shh! Liz is thinking, lass. She had a bunch of beasties in here complaining about missing things, feeling insulted at being stared at, upset at being uninvited to the tour of stalls, the men irritated at the women making them go on the tours, and such like that, Al explained. Oh dear, it sounds like a bloomin' mess. Isabella is upset too, Kate replied. Aye, and Max can't find his reed. He stormed out of here like I never seen him before. He said to tell you he'd be back, Al said, reaching for another berry cluster. Al, how can you eat at a time like this? Kate asked, 
then placed her paw on Al's back in understanding. After all, this was Al she was talking to. Kate and Al stayed quiet for a time until finally Liz spoke. It is clear to me that something is happening to upset the Ark inhabitants, both human and animal alike, Liz said, her brow still wrinkled. But what could be causing all this trouble? Kate asked, knowing Liz could get to the bottom of things. The question isn't necessarily what, but who. I will need to go take a look for myself. So far, Max's reed is missing, the koala's eucalyptus branch is gone, Opendo's wooden giraffe, and several other of Bogart's figurines are nowhere to be found, and Noah's tablet is not in his room. Liz sighed. Also, my seed sack is gone. In addition to the missing items, there is jealousy brewing, and insensitivity to others' feelings is growing. Some animals are accusing the raccoons of stealing the missing items, saying they look suspicious, like they're wearing a mask to hide their motives. I'm going to investigate, Liz said as she left the stall. There was much to get to the bottom of here. Kate and Al wondered if they should join her. I think we'd just let her go on her own for now. You can look for her later, Al, Kate suggested. Aye, that's what I'll do, Al said, jumping up in his hammock. If he couldn't do anything now, he might as well take a nap. He curled up with a full belly and fell fast asleep. Oh, that is my Al. Aye, doing what he does best, eating and sleeping. Oui, and now uh, I have a confession to make. Uh, Monsieur Denis, uh, it may interest you to know that a common trait of both dogs and cats is that we both uh, shed fur. Oh, Liz, don't remind me. I was just getting past being upset with Max and... Hear what I am saying, mon ami. Uh, we both shed. We both have uh, black fur. Ah! So it were kitty fur all over the lad's jacket. Oui, so it is me you should be upset with, monsieur. The jacket was lying on my favorite chair, and... And so if I'd hung it up properly, instead of throwing it in the chair, we wouldn't be having this conversation. So, uh, I apologize. To you both. I'm sorry I automatically blamed you, Max. Well, generally speaking, if there be trouble, it more likely came from me than from Liz, so I forgive you, lad. Uh, but this points to a bigger issue. Uh-oh. Sounds like our kitty brain's starting to fire up. I know. We all think we have good intentions, huh? Uh, at least to start with. But for some reason, our selfish side always seems to come out when things don't go our way. Right. I, I could have hung up my jacket. And I could have sat somewhere else. So, even though we're all trying to serve the maker, we still find ways to snap at each other and whatnot. We... Even on the Ark. And that is what we are going to ask Miss Jenny about today. Well, then it's time to pay a little visit to Jenny's Corner. Oh, good. What can I help you with? Well, Miss Jenny, uh, you heard today's chapter, no? Uh, I, she wrote it, lass. Oh, uh, touche. Uh, well, we heard of bickering and accusations, and, well, I thought that these would have been the most godly creatures alive. So, why was there so much difficulty between the animals and, and even Noah's family? 
You would think if God calls you to do something for him, surely he's going to make it easy, right? Oh, no, not at all. It's not he that doesn't make it easy. It's the enemy that wants to come in and thwart God's plans. And so anytime we are called to do something for the maker, and that includes every day in your life, expect the opposition. But here's the good news. You can bet on it that if you're experiencing trouble afoot, when you're doing something and being obedient to what the maker has called and asked you to do, you're doing something right. Because if you're not a threat to the enemy, he won't waste his time with you. And so that was the case for Noah and his family, too. Now, none of the things that I show in Trouble Afoot were recorded, of course. You know, Noah, everything that he experienced is very minimal. You know, I jokingly say that Moses, who wrote the account of Noah, should have attended one of my writing workshop classes so he learns to write more detail. <laughs> um, but... Needless to say, I think we can be assured that Noah and his family had a lot of trouble they had to contend with. We do know that they did experience the ridicule from the people who, you know, would just mock Noah and his family for this crazy thing of building an ark for over a hundred years. So we know that that happened then, and then we just know the dynamics of a family cooped up inside for a year, not knowing what was going to happen, contending with each other with animals. And we think there could have been 100,000 animals aboard the ark. Just think about that for a minute. And so I'm sure the enemy tried to get at Noah and his family aboard the ark. And one of his biggest tools is discouragement. So take courage and take heart if you experience trouble afoot while working for the maker and know that you're right on schedule and doing exactly what you're supposed to do. A lesson for us all. Ah, that is so reassuring, Miss Jenny. Merci. Aye, and uh, well, that wraps things up for this time. Except for one thing. Uh, Monsieur, here is a ticket for you. A ticket? Cool. To, to what? Like a concert? Or the theater? Uh, no, the dry cleaners. I am having your jacket cleaned. Oh, Liz, thanks, but that wasn't necessary. Uh, let it go, lad. I talked her into it. She were planning to groom it with her tongue. Okay, well, well then, uh, thanks, Liz. Thank you very much, and thank you, Max. Well, as you Americans say, no sweat. Or in this case... No spit either. Uh, right. Uh, join us next time as Max searches for his read, Charlie the Snake gives his brand of advice, and Al comes face to face with a giant Liz. You don't want to miss it. Once again, the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, is produced by Playful World Ministries, and the Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud was written by Jenny L. Cody. To purchase your copy of the Ark, the Reed, and the Fire Cloud on audiobook, log on to audible.com. And for all the amazing books by Jenny L. Cody, the entire collection of the Epic Order of the Seven, log on to Jenny's website, www.epicorderofthe7.com. That's epicorderofthe7.com. See you next time on the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast. And I'm Denny Brownlee. Thanks for joining us. Have a grand day!